And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello, Fascination. Welcome to the show. So for those of you listening, I'm guessing that there is a group of you who love to camp, who camp all the time, camp whenever it's possible. You take your vacations in a gigantic RV. Well, this show you might find very interesting, but I'm guessing those subset of people who want to camp but haven't, you're the ones who this is really going to resonate with. Because I'm talking with Dave Hoekstra, who wrote the, the, the Camper book. That's the actual title of the book. And in it, he does a travel across the country in a man-made RV, and he discusses camping culture, RV culture, where to go, Route 66, the whole travel world uh, is what we're going to talk about today. And I think it will appeal to campers and non-campers alike, and it may make some converts out of some of you. So let's get into this. I'm very excited to talk about this. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show today. So, you know, what's kind of interesting about how this all came together, and it's a little weird, Dave, um, but I wanted to talk about, I did a whole episode on, uh, I, I'm getting my shameless plug in five seconds in, but I did a whole episode on real life superheroes. And, you know, we talked about the Fox and you were a member of that group. And that's how I found you. We're going to hold on to that story because we're going to give a bonus episode on the Fox, but that's how I found you. And somehow, Dave. You convinced me to talk about RV campers. How did you get into RV campers, and how did you how did you did you dupe me on this one? Dupe's a strong word, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> well, it's a it's kind of a long story. Um, I worked at the Chicago Sun Times uh, for uh, about mm-hmm. thirty years, and I don't know, maybe ten or twelve of those years, uh, I was doing travel writing. You know, I did feature writing, and I also did travel writing on, on the side and stuff. And it was blue highways and back roads and stuff. Gosh, I did the whole Route 66 trip in 91. I was just... Well, you did the whole thing from like downtown Chicago to Santa Monica? Yeah, right. Yeah, all the way to Santa Monica. It was real interesting because a lot, obviously a lot of places are gone, but, um, you know, other places have come up. So I've always been interested in the back road stuff. Um, And then, um, you know, I've done a couple books and I've always been interested in a theme and I think that emerges in all the books I've done. I've done Midwest Supper Clubs and I've done... Uh, soul food and civil rights, and I just finished a book on small town newspapers. But the the thread that seems to connect them for me is sense mm-hmm. of place, yeah. sense of place, and what what the meaning of place is and memories. And so with the camper book, I started wondering, well, what happens when 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 place is fluid and place is mobile and stuff. So um, then I think. Um, it all happened at the same time. I took a buyout from the Sun Times, and then both my parents passed away. They were elderly. It was one of those things they'd been married, you know, sixty years or so, and and one right after the other, like within six weeks. So I might have been had a little bit stressed out, you know. I had a lot of stuff on my mind. So I uh, I bought our I bought this little camper. It's like a, a Ford camper. I had a friend who helped me find mm-hmm. it in St. Louis. Just a just a, uh, a like a little camper trailer thing, not right, like an yeah. RV. Okay. Um, a transit van, like the type of thing you'd go to the seat, you know, you'd take people around well, in the airport. So a transit van and, and a camper are two different things. So the transit van is typically where you bring people yeah. in and rape and murder them. Whereas a camper is something that's out for, you know, for fun and, you know, for enjoying the family. Yeah, that, that's, okay. that's what I mean. So, right. Yeah. So, so the beginning of the book is how I find this transit van uh, in St. Louis. So I buy the transit van in St. Louis and it's raw. So then we take it up. And I, that's what I think the difference between this book is and some other camping books. We show how people could actually do something like this. So then we take the transit van raw up to Elkhart, Indiana, which is the RV capital right. of America. That's where all, all the – but they have, they, have, they have places that trick these things out. So I take it to a place in Elkhart. And then they design it and make it into a camper van for me. And that's not that far from Chicago. It's like, you know, two hours. Uh, so I would drive over there and kind of supervise them and watch them take the transit van and make it a camper oh, van. Oh, I got so it. So that's, that's kind of So it's kind of like, that's like yeah. the Midwest version of like Pit My Ride, right? I mean, it's in some ways, right? Yeah. Kind of. 
Because they built it to your yeah. specifications, yeah. and you have a couple of beautiful pictures in there. Because you you've done the the inside gets kind of completely renovated, but then you call it the Bluebird because of this very specific mural that's on the outside. Tell me about that. It's, I mean, it's very unique, uh, and uh, it's amazing. Well, two things happened. I mean, we were going through my my parents' stuff when they passed away out here in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, and there were a couple of Bluebird icons that we that I, I put in the. Uh, in the in the in the van because um that was all in the front of my mind as, as you know and now that i look back on this that was five six years ago when they died and so i think there was something therapeutic in doing this trip and in mm-hmm. doing this book and then my friend tony fitzpatrick um longtime friend um muralist artist um does album covers for mm. steve Earle. um years ago did neville brothers yellow moon um, so yeah, he, he, uh, gave me some, he's does a lot of bird paintings and a lot of bird, um, collages and stuff like that. So he had a thing that we wrapped up, a van wrap that we put around the van of his birds. So I drove around the country when I did the book with Tony's birds all on the side of the van. I'm looking at it right now. It was pretty interesting. I mean, when we, went to, when we got, we got, you know, times were, um, people are more uptight and, weirder now than they were when we did the trip but it was just really nice you, you don't know, say you, we did the, yeah we, that, 2015 yeah, I, seems like <laughs> that's a different america but, um, back then we've been a stoplight stop you know i'd be a stoplight uh, a lot of this trip i did by myself and the other i did but and then somebody did with my photographer john saw but anyway we'd be at a stoplight and you know people would wave and they'd sure. smile it was nice to see these like um Basic emotions. But I remember one time we were in New Orleans and I was getting gas outside of New Orleans and somebody asked if I was selling birds out of there. <laughs> anyway, the Tony's birds uh, drew a yeah. lot of attention. Uh, it's yeah. beautiful. I mean, and even he, I think in the book, you, you mentioned how he, uh, I mean, he's got, I mean, this is he's a real artist. I mean, he's got work in the Art Institute and the Met in New York. I mean, oh, yeah. this is a real artist. So this is, you know, quite a thing you had on your, on your van there. Tony uh, back then said it was his proudest thing of uh he's actually since he said it was his proudest moment of public art was me driving wow. around that van um since then he's done a, a really nice uh mural outside the steppenwolf theater oh, here in chicago geez. that got a lot of that got a lot of attention so yeah he's a he's a real guy and he just you know we slapped him on and uh it gives it you know sitting in my driveway right now in the, the van that's, with all the birds great. yeah well, I lo- <laughs> so bluebird yes Pony love birds, and then my parents had this bluebird stuff around the house, and that's how that's how that all and the van right blue. It all, so it all works. It all works. Yeah. Well, I like that you say slapped it on. We're talking about art here, David. You're just slapping it on yeah, the yeah. van. Uh, so yeah. the book is called a Ca- the Camper Book: A Celebration of the Movable Dream. The first thing that I noticed, and this this was like near and dear to my heart, Dave, is that you got Jeff Daniels to do the foreword who's a huge RV guy. I mean, he even talks about the Shaggin' Wagon, uh, which was probably made out of one of those Sprinter vans that you turned your, your camper, <laughs> turned your camper out of. Yeah. Uh, but, that, yeah. you know, he you got him doing the forward. You got Matthew McConaughey as an RV fanatic. Joe Madden, you know, famous Chicago Cubs World Series coach. And Supreme yeah. Court Justice Clarence Thomas, which shocked me to the core because um, he doesn't seem like a camper. Uh, it doesn't seem like a guy who likes to go out yeah, and enjoy, um, you know, nature. I don't know. He just doesn't strike me. Yeah, a lot of those people I interviewed, I didn't interview him, but I did do research that he's an RV guy and they like to uh, um, they like to, uh, you know, this is big in the RV world. They they, they camp in, a can- in in parking lots of Walmarts. And I guess he's he's done that several times. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas camps in Walmart yeah. parking lots. Yeah. Oh, it's a man yeah. of the people, uh, I guess. And uh, I, I wanted to you know what? I wanted to play it on the up and up. Um, I wanted to include a chapter on Walmart camping in here. <laughs> And instead of yeah. going rogue, instead of going rogue, I actually tried. I called down uh, down to uh-huh. their headquarters and I asked like where the busiest, where the most popular Walmart yeah, campground was and stuff. And they wouldn't help. They wouldn't give me any access. They weren't answering <laughs> any of my questions. So we kind of veered right. off that. But yeah, that I have gone. I have like parked for a few hours at a Walmart. And it's got everything you need. Yeah, they don't have to if you want to use the bathrooms. You know, they got all the food. Only thing they don't have is showers. But yeah, a lot of a lot of people. It do. makes sense. I mean, because that's what's so interesting about this. Because I'm curious. Because I read the book and I was trying to figure out. And I feel bad that I didn't come up with an answer here, but I was trying to figure out like what the theme of the book is, right? Because you talk about RVs, 
you, there's a little bit about there's RV culture, which I want to get into, which is different, you know, depending where you go, you know, where people are. But then you also talk about the stops along the way. You know, a lot of the stuff's on Route 66. I did a whole episode. It comes shameless plug number two on Route 66 with Michael Wallace, the mother road. Uh, so I, I, I love Route 66. I mean, without question, I wish I could do it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm by the Western Terminus. I lived in Chicago. I've never seen the beginning of it, which is, you know, some I've never seen that. I've never seen a, a, a game at Wrigley Field and I lived a, a baseball's throw away from Fenway Park. I never saw a, base, a baseball game at Fenway Park. And those might be uh, the three biggest regrets of my life. And I know you're a baseball fan and we're, we're going to we're going to get into that later on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I've gotten myself off topic um, because, you know, campers are strange. So what were you trying to capture with this book? Was it the culture? Was it the people? Was it the journey? Was it all of it put together? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's probably all of it put together. I think the tone was maybe kind of a handbook. Mm. Um, like I said, I, what makes it unique is there there are things in here if people wanted to try this themselves. I think there's tips that they can learn about. We have a little section on on camper music, um, you yeah. know, places uh, places to go. I just called that place on Route 66 in, outside of Carthage, Missouri. I wondered how some of these places um, made it through the pandemic, and they're yep. still there. I'm, I'm gonna, I think I told you I'm heading out next mm-hmm. week. Um, Go Tulsa to see the Bob Dylan Museum. I might go see them, but um, so yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of all that, you know. Um, and it's I, I like to think again. This is just by um, osmosis or by I don't. Know, it seems like everything I write, I end up with with a hopeful tone, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I I think again that's really yeah. needed today. Um, I'm just thinking about that because this book I wrapped up about uh, small town newspapers. It, it ends on a, a hopeful note. Nobody's talking in positive tones about the newspaper industry. <laughs> but um, this book came out and, you know, and then then I'm looking here, some, uh, you know, Nomadland, and that was based on a book, okay, and where she drove around. And that was, you know, I thought about it. You could go around and, and see. I saw it, you know, I saw people down and out and living in their vans and had nowhere else to go and, you know, borderline homeless people living in campgrounds. But I, you know, um, I tried to do it. I just tried to paint a more hopeful picture. I found people on personal journeys, you know, when I came back, I kept telling people I ran into a lot of like traveling nurses and taking their families out of schools and just driving around the country and letting their kids experience different cultures. And the traveling nurse thing was a, a constant theme I saw in campgrounds. So anyway, I think outside of being a handbook, I think there's a hopeful tone in the book. You know, Joe Madden's hopeful. John Prine was funny. He's in the book. Jeff Daniels, yeah. he drives these big RVs, but he was, so yeah, it, it's a fun hopeful book it's not heavy it's not dark i mean it feels like a it's a it's i don't want to call it a diary but it's definitely a journal of the journey and that's kind of you know it's it's kind of like how if i mean this this is the thing that stuck out to me is it's kind of like how if someone wanted to travel around the country in their rv and just kind of see who else was doing that you know, and just kind of, you know, that's yeah. kind of, it feels more like a journal, really, because the tips are great. Um, but but I, that is what I took from it. And I wasn't sure if that's what you were going for, because you kind of go from like RV park to RV park and you talk about the things around it. But RVs are such it's such a strange phenomenon because it's almost like humans becoming turtles. Right. Or going back to, uh, you know, like the gypsy, the nomad days. Right. I mean, it's like a traveling, you know, I mean, some of these some you talk to some missionaries who have, you know, they've got a big RV, but they've got eight kids living in, in a camper yeah. permanently. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't yeah. even that is such a culture shock for me that I wouldn't even begin to know how to do. I mean, I don't know how you'd have eight people share one bathroom, much less a bathroom that's maybe the size of a person standing up. I mean, I don't even know if you can sit down for the toilet, right? I mean, uh, that's that's a totally different perspective and a totally different human experience that you got to visit and kind of catalog in a way. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'd be interested to do the book now because I think a lot more people just with what's going on in current events with shootings and wars and stuff. I just wonder how many more people are, are exploring the idea of just getting off the grid and stuff. But, you know, I mean, I know you, we're, we go, you know, we're, sure, I can talk yeah, to we, you we, honestly. We've got a week here. under our belt. I mean, it's, it's just you and a couple of million yeah. of our best friends. <laughs> but this is independent press, Chicago Review Press. So there was no travel budget. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, all these places I went to, I, I went on my own dime, you know, I drove all the way. Gosh, I almost, 
I went into the southern tip of Canada. I mean, if I'm, I'm just going through the journey by memory, leave Chicago, go down Route 66, Southern California, up to northern Canada, cut back. Then I took a break. It wasn't all in one thing. Then I go over to take another break where I go to mm-hmm. Cooperstown and go up to Maine. So that was a lot of money I, I put into this just on traveling. And stuff. So to answer your question, I go kind of where the story okay. leads me. Okay. You know, I mean, we we went up we went up to Salinas. And I knew I, I'd, I'd been to the for the sometimes I'd been to the Steinbeck Museum, but they give us access into his his van where he did travels right. with Charlie, and not many people were allowed to go inside the van. So that was just an interesting story. I didn't really plan that story, but we go there and they let us inside the van, and then within the they tell us about the guy who he since passed away. I have a, a blog where I uh, wrote about this guy, and it's not in the book, and. Um, People still comment on it. He's a guy in Salinas who actually, when it came to Salinas, he restored Travels with Charlie oh, wow. Van and stuff. So um, I kind of went where, you know, where there were stories. Yeah, some were active campgrounds and I hung out with people. You know, it was weird, too. I'm mm-hmm. kind of shy. And I was very careful about just like, going up to a bunch of strangers. Hey, I'm writing a yeah, book. Yeah, it seems like you do that a <laughs> yeah, lot. Yeah. All, so, you know, some people were, you know, but. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of went you know where it led me. You know? Yeah. So one of the things that I've got to know because I've always wanted to use a camper. I've always wanted to. I've never been in an RV, but I, I thought I think that'd be a great vacation to to take because it's so different than how I live now. But if you're doing this by yourself, I mean, it's strange because as you mentioned, human beings, especially you know, everyone's into home ownership, right? I mean, you want to have a house and yeah. you want to be able to stay there and raise kids and establish roots. And this is the exact opposite of that. And you did this for so long. You did a lot of this by yourself. So you're in an RV, you're running yeah. around in a, on a camper all by yourself on the open road by yourself. You're staying, you're meeting people, but then, yeah, I mean, there's this great story I want to talk about, you know, Thanksgiving in a campground is so bizarre. Yeah, right. uh, you know, it's like a, a negative, you know, like a negative print, you know, like a black and we know what you want to say. Uh, it's the opposite of what you think of for Thanksgiving. I'm not saying that very well, but yeah, that's why I picked that. Um, yeah. but, but it's, it's, it seems like a solitary existence because even the people that you meet, they're not, they're a, not probably not going to be there very long or, you know, B you're not going to be there very long. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's yeah. weird. And it kind of, in some ways defies the typical human, at least in America, the human existence. So I want to know a little bit about that. Like what was, you know, what were you, what was it like as the the journey? What was it like for you? Um, you know, there's a couple people I've kept in touch with because of social media. We, we became Facebook friends and stuff. Um, I'm looking here, the people at the, uh, one of the wildest camping, I'm just looking at the cover of the book. I see them on the cover. One of the wildest right. camping experiences is camping at the Iowa State Fair. That's oh, really yeah, yeah. over. That's off, that's off the chain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one, one thing you have, one, you know, one, one camper, one RV right next to each other. So anyway, some of the people I met, at the, that's close, that's in Des Moines, that's close to Chicago, mm-hmm. but I've kept on some of the people from there. Um, but it's a, you know, like I said, it's a transient society. Um, you know, a lot of people are used to moving on. I mean, there's people who do it. They like, you know, they do it all year round, 365 days a year. It was weird because I knew, I always knew I was, I was coming home, mm-hmm. right? And I always, you know, that there's there, some people don't have a home. They, they, this is how they live, and I don't know if I could do that. You know, that'd be really that's quite a quite a commitment to the road. Yeah. It was nice to know I was coming home, and like I said, I, I, I broke it up. You know. Um, when I picked the camper van, um, a it was more affordable than me buying an RV. But I had done a couple um, stories for the Sun Times over the years where they the paper rented me an RV. Oh wow! And I remember okay. one time we went to Great. We went to and we went to Graceland in an RV, uh-huh. and I went up to a tailgate at a Green Bay Packers game in an RV. <laughs> and so I knew a little bit about the big RV culture, yeah. and it's just like I'm not into the whole. My camper doesn't have a bathroom, but I remember. Um, when we did Graceland, um, they uh, we I, I filed daily stories for the Sun Times out of my out of the RV, and a bunch of people from Chicago read the stories, and they all rented. They all came down and rented their RVs. Oh wow! And I covered the you know the whole. We went down there in August for the, the death week. Uh-huh. And I was out covering uh, the night where they all everybody all the all those pilgrims go up to his grave with the candles mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I came back. It was raining that night, and. Um, and uh, some of these people who read the story in Chicago, they were at my RV and they were disconnected. You know, you have the, the sewage for the for the toilet. Right. And they were disconnected. They had lost their, their pipe had broken and they were taking my pipe and I had to get down in the mud and yell at them and put my pipe back in. So anyway, I was the whole thing of having a, 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 um, 
a toilet and pipes and hoses and stuff. It wasn't for me. So I just stayed, I stayed with the camera. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I mean, that's what's so I mean, it's just such a this is kind of like what I, this is like the nitty gritty that I want to learn about, because you have. I mean, you have a, a you're a mobile unit. You have you, know, you got your turtle shell on your back. You're going from place to place. If you do have a toilet, I mean, you know, I, I'm not telling anything. You know, that no one else knows. You, you got to use the bathroom a couple times a day if you're yeah. regular. Yeah. And just all that is it's dirty business. But when you go to an RV park, you have to get it somewhere. You have to get electricity. You you have basically have to plug yourself back into the grid. Plug yourself voluntarily back into society. And even that comes with, you know, hangups and you have people next to you. You know, I mean, I, I live in a place where I've been for, you know, over a decade and I know some of my neighbors, but, you know, I was just speaking of birds. There's, you know, it's baby bird season. Right. And, you know, I recently probably uh, <laughs> just destroyed my relationship with a, a neighbor across the way because they're remarkably inconsiderate. And, you know, this is this is how people are in a big city where you've lived for a long time. Right. So I can't imagine yeah, right. what the level of discourse would be at an RV park where someone's toilet hose has been destroyed and you've got a good one and they want yours. Yeah. I mean, it can I mean, I don't want to say it's I, Mad I, Max. I got really but, <laughs> I'm pretty mellow, but I got really upset. And they were people from Chicago. And I just said, you know, wow. I told them, I caught them. I go, you know, if you're going to steal somebody's sewage hose, you know, go take somebody else's. Don't take somebody you know, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it, it, you just got to pick your campgrounds. You know, I didn't I didn't know this going into the book. I mean, there's and I've since gone out a lot, you know, I mean, after I wrote the book, I, I still go out and take this thing out. I mean, okay, you got KOAs, you know, and KOAs isn't exactly raw camping, but they're going to be safe. They're going to be clean. But some of them have really nice swimming pools. It's kind of like that's campgrounds of America for those who aren't familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, but I've also been in some very raw ones and some state parks and stuff like that where things things get funky and things get tough. And yeah. These days, maybe things can get scary. So you just have to, you know, you got to do, you got to do your research. Sure. I mean, you know, and you just got to, you got to kind of know what's going on, you know, but the better campgrounds, people are very considerate. They have rules, they have t curfews, um, you know, and some, some of them have guys who drive around little golf carts and check on everybody. So, um, you know, you get what you pay for. Oh, I know you like to have a hopeful tone. I'm more the cynic. You know, you and I might be equal and opposite <laughs> in our power um, because I like the reality of it. Right. Because I mean, I think the reality is dirty and gritty because, you know, you talk about uh, ah, that's going to uh, escape me. I think it's shady Dell, maybe. But it's it's essentially if hipsters had taken a bunch of our uh, fifth, you know, mid-century 50s RVs, completely renovated them and then rented them out. No, Bisbee. What's yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and Bisbee. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's glamping. Right. I mean, what I think there's a rustic kind of nature to it. I mean, I think there is a slightly dangerous element to being in an RV camper, especially like if you've dedicated your life to it, there's it's, it's, it can be dangerous. It can be dicey because a, that's your home. Everything's in that camper and, and it's mechanical. Yeah, right. uh, so, you, you know, you're the same thing if a car were to break down. I mean, you've got all that, but it's your house. If your house were to break down uh, and you don't yeah. know where you're going, and, you know, uh, it's it's wild out there. I'm not saying it's the Wild West. I'm not saying it's Mad Max, but I think there's an element to it that those places like Shady Dell and like glamping and this kind of like hipstery, I want my, the comforts of home, but also want to be, quote unquote, roughing it. Uh, it's very different. That doesn't seem like the, the life that you're supposed to be doing, you know? I do agree with you on that. Yeah. And yeah, there is a lot of that. And that this, this thing really took off. And it, of course, really took off during the pandemic mm -hmm. when people um, were looking to do things like this. I mean... When I one of the gifts somebody gave me before I began on the uh, trip, I still got it above my bed in the van. The van has a little bed in the back. It was a huge Bowie knife in case somebody hassles me. Right. So you uh, had that? Yeah, I've got it in the van. I don't have any guns, but I've got a Bowie. So knife. you would rather? So let me ask you a question. So if you're on the you're on the road, you seem like a nice guy. You've already said you know you didn't even want to get mad at people for stealing your your sewer hose. I have no problem yelling yeah. at a neighbor for threatening a baby bird. So you and I again opposite ends yeah. of the discourse spectrum. But you don't seem like a guy who would have a Bowie knife. But if you do, I got to ask you, Dave, you're on the road. Someone's breaking into your tent. Would you do you have what it takes to, you know, run someone through with a, with a big Bowie knife or you just brandish it and then have it get used against you? What, which side of the fence are you that's on? A good, uh, that's a question I hope I never have to answer. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how much they, it depends on how much they got in my face. I mean, I know how to defend myself. Right, right. You know? A couple people we gotta, we asked, <laughs> in my lifetime. But, <laughs> we asked the tough questions you know, uh, on this show. I want to know if you're a survivalist. Yeah. 
but um, I've never used it, and I don't know. It's just yeah. But I, I you know, the whole trip. I, I what did I do? I it's in the book, twenty five thousand miles in like a summer or something. But I never had any trouble. You know, I, uh, I I met some interesting characters, but nobody ever hassled me or anything. Well, know? I think that's the other thing I love about this book is that the, the the amount of interesting people that you meet because I think this life it is it's a little different, right? And I think that it attracts people. From all, uh, you know, various different types of life experiences can force someone into, you know, being in their RV, whether it's necessity uh, and unfortunate circumstances or whether it's a choice yeah. and people enjoy it. And, you know, they kind of like the traveling nomad gypsy kind of life. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of different people. So what would you say? Uh, there's a couple of people I want to make sure that we mentioned, but who would you say is the most interesting person that you met on your travels? Wow, that's. That's um, I've got the book here. Boy, that's that's a tough one. Not the one that appeared in your book. Could be anybody. I mean, the Elvis Presley campground. I'm just thinking about them. Uh, <laughs> I stay, that's the place we stayed. I've stayed at two Elvis Presley campgrounds, uh-huh. but um, there's a couple there that were living there. And um, it's funny. They have since left the campground and they moved up to the Rockford area. And the one woman, Rockford, Illinois, a big Elvis fan. Yeah, Rockford, oh, Illinois, wow, okay. and she's like an usher at the, the – I'm, I'm a big minor league baseball yeah. fan. Anyway, she's an usher at the Beloit Snappers, so I met her from the campground. Now I see them if I go to a game in, in, in Beloit, Wisconsin. Um, boy, you know, you know the people the people from Japan, I thought it was really interesting. Um, um, again, I researched this, I think. Um, when people read the book and some of the feedback we got, um, people did not know there was a campground right almost adjacent to the French Quarter in New Orleans. Yeah, okay? right. I've since stayed there for Jazz Fest. I mean, it's concrete. It's not. It's, it's not rustic camping, but they got a pool. They got a little pool, and it's 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 safe, and it's right. You can like go to the French Quarter, mm-hmm. and you know walk back to your camper van, which is really weird. And we met, we met a bunch of people from Japan doing a cross country trip. They stick in my mind. You know, they went out. They they rented a a, a van or RV in in uh, L.A. I think, and they were heading heading uh, northeast. And, they were in this campground in New Orleans in the French Quarter. They were interesting. Um, you know, the traveling nurses, I keep I keep thinking about the traveling nurses, people just taking their families out. And I, I'm very I was very impressed with that. That's something I did not know about at all. And I saw that I saw that several times, not just once. Well, what's interesting about uh, I mean, because that, that's an interesting life, too, because people are traveling around doing the nursing, pulling their kids out. I mean, it's a family that travels around. I think one had you know, it's basically a stay at home dad. The mom's a traveling nurse, makes good money and the kids are homeschooled. Well, RV schooled or whatever you'd say, you know, uh, which is yeah. which is I don't even know how that's possible. But I like the you know, I like the Japanese tourists in the French Quarter because I think of all the stories, it was one that stuck out to me as being weird for the book, for what I was what I thought the book was about. But yet perfect when you think of it as a traveling journal and the types of people, the the the, the, the spectrum of people who enjoy RV living because you've, I mean, Japan's a very different culture and they don't have RVs there. It's a totally different thing. So you have a group coming here, renting one and then just, you know, living together and going across, you know, the United States. And in some ways that is a brilliant way. If you're from another country to see the, you know, to cheaply, see the United States because you don't have to pay for a hotel every night. You can have whatever food that you want and you can drive and you can you can really kind of keep your own pace. And they were really interested in the culture. And what better way to see New Orleans than from an RV? Because that's something no one will ever get to do. I remember I went to Yellowstone National Park in this in the winter and I stayed there, you know, in a in a in a, in a, um, a cabin there that was freezing cold. And most people go to Yellowstone in the, in the height of summer. But when you go to a place on an off time in a different way, you see something no one else sees. And I think that that story is the epitome of that exact phenomenon. Yeah, and it should be said that they they were young people. Um, I know when I was talking people talking to people about doing this book, and even when I was talking to people about the process of making the transit van into a camper van, um, everyone had the image that this is like some AARP thing, and like old older people, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, older people have the money to buy an RV, or but I mean there were, a, and I'm sure there's. You know this. I mean, there's a lot, lot, lot of younger people getting into this thing. Whether they pony up and rent one or buy one together and stuff. Uh, it's, it really is uh, popular with, with younger people. And then it goes to the thing, what, what, what are people looking for? You know, I mean, is it, just, is it just to travel around and see America or is it something a little deeper? And I, I, think, 
the times we're living right now, I think it's something a little deeper. What you know? Yeah. Well, van life is very popular. I mean, since this, you know, since yeah. 2020, I mean, a lot of people have just been living in their van. You know, actually, you're starting to see, uh, you know, almost like a rejection of it. You're starting to see people who are like, yeah, I did the van life thing. And it's not for me. You know, I mean, so you, you had like the, the that, arc, you know, that arc that that stories travel, you know, <laughs> everyone's yeah, into it. Then it gets tired. Then there's a rejection, you know, a counterculture against van life. Uh, but it, you're still kind of seeing that where people, whether it's a, a van or a camper or whatever, you're seeing a lot of people, their house is, is mobile basically. Yeah. And I mean, you know, people I, I saw, you know, I kind of, um, you know, I saw people that working out of their van and, and, and doing, you know, regular gigs and that wasn't just home nurses. It was people doing office work out of their van. You know, when we set it up, I have a little desk in there. And a little desk with wireless, and my my thing was okay. I'll dr- I'll drive like seven eight hours a day. Then I'll sit down and, and write at mm-hmm. night. And that's how I'll write the book, man. I was I was too gassed, you know. I was uh, <laughs> you drive around, you drive around. I don't know how I don't know how many hours, you know. I mean, I, I'd stay in. I never. I don't think I ever stayed in one place more than well in Pensacola for Thanksgiving. I was down there for three or four days, okay. but I moved around a lot, you know. So this whole thing about writing my book on the desk in my van really didn't. I did it a couple times. I remember the night, I think there's a chapter in the book, it got me thinking about all this yeah. now, I didn't look at it, um, where I went up and did, um, it's a campground right by, not far, I remember I went to see uh, Paisley Park, it's not far from Paisley Park in Minneapolis, Prince's Place, and I went in the dead of winter, and it was really, I have a whole chapter on freezing camping, I just wanted to see what that was like, it was like 20 below yeah. zero and stuff, Brutal. and I remember I, was, I had like two or three coats on, and and uh, I wrote that night or that morning. I remember writing and then because it was it was such a weird experience. That was really weird. But yeah, I didn't I didn't do a lot of that office stuff. <laughs> well, you don't talk about it too much in the books. So, I mean, that, that's not a myth we have to bust. Right. I mean, so that's that's the good part of it. Uh, you know, it's yeah. funny in Paisley Park. You know, I did uh, I, I talked to the guy. His name's Dave McComey, who actually opened up Prince's vault. Uh, it's, it's an episode that people can listen to. So no one had seen his vault until this guy opened it. And that's where I had heard of Paisley park, which is, you know, for those who don't know, Prince's, um, his compound up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's a great place. That's a great place. It looks amazing. I mean, it's totally unique. Um, but let's talk about Thanksgiving in the RV. So this seems like an extraordinarily unique experience because it seems like everyone was kind of, it was kind of potluck. Everyone brought food Everyone had a meal. It seemed like a Thanksgiving meal, but it's strange because you're not going someplace to go to Thanksgiving. You're kind of just having it where you are. The people there, they don't have a dest like Thanksgiving's like a destination vacation or destination holiday, I should say. Sometimes it's a vacation, uh, but this wasn't it at all. It's like the opposite. It's just where everyone happens to not be going anywhere. So they're in one place and you know, you're going to have Thanksgiving and never see these people again, which is also kind of the opposite of how Thanksgiving's typically viewed. Uh, so tell me about your experience there. And if any of this kind of rings true, um, I kind of barged, <laughs> I kind of barged in on them. I like it already. Um, you know, I think <laughs> it's like, again, I think there, that was Pensacola. There might have been some snowbirds there, you know, so people living there for three months, right. four months, beginning of the beginning of the season. I remember a lot of families. Um, I don't remember a lot. I, don't, I think I might have been, that's where the uh, people from L.A., the movie, the McConaughey people, They, I think they were on that campground. They'd come over from L.A., uh, a bunch of young people. Um, but I don't think, I think I might have been the only one by myself. So that, like I told you, it was, it was even though I've been a reporter my whole life, it's just kind of hard for me to have invite myself to some <laughs> Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner with a bunch of strangers. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, like, who's, who's this guy from Chicago? And I always identify myself. And I, I think we had little postcards, what the book was about, so they know I wasn't creepy or anything. But, um, you know, they were they were nice. They were I didn't bring any food. I didn't. There was no pile. Oh, total freeloader. <laughs> no wonder they didn't want you. They're like, who is this guy? What do you got? You're like nothing. Can I have some food? And they're like, no. Pack of beer or something. But um, <laughs> something. you know what I do is um, I like and I think that I kind of maybe I did have a map and I did kind of plan the trip a little bit that that journey south. And another theme I like and the stuff I do and the things I write is I like incongruity. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, I think we talked, I'm a huge baseball fan and I'm a huge fan of Bill Vec and Mike Vec, who runs the St. Paul Saints and has a team in Charleston with Bill Murray. 
So I like incongruity, and that's how they kind of base their whole thing on. And that's when Bill ran the White Sox. It was always like, okay, you're going to do one thing, but what's the other mm-hmm. thing? So here's Thanksgiving, uh, a family get-together thing, and then here's a guy who's all by himself in a camper. <laughs> right, yeah. So I like, see, yeah, I like to see what happens when you mix those two things up, and that's kind of why I picked that. And yeah. um, so it was, you know, it, it, that that certainly was memorable. I like to go back down there. You know, it's, you know, the other thing is that, you know, then I would I would usually, like you said before, you um, you plug in the yeah. van. All I have is electricity and water, and I even use water that much, but I got to have electricity. No bathroom, so I have to use the uh, forest. Yeah, or the pub. You know, this place in Pensacola had nice bathrooms and okay. stuff. Right. But I wanted to go. I'd never been to the Flobama Lounge, you know, and so I, there I would get an Uber or something. I leave the van and I wouldn't drive it around. Then I take uh, Ubers or Lyfts to places I wanted to see in the neighborhood. Got stuff. it. Okay. So I'd never been to the Pens- I've been to I've been to the Keys and stuff like that, but I've never been to Pensacola. So it was an interesting part of the country for me to see. Yeah, well, the other kind of cool thing is that when you're with the Thanksgiving, right? I mean, you have a perfect in, you know, I mean, it's an interesting story. Yeah. You're writing a book on it. So yeah, I, I can see how you could kind of maneuver that and have it not be too awkward. Uh, but the thing yeah. that would be awkward and uh, for you not bringing anything and not making anything, you may not have an opinion on this, <laughs> um, but uh, making a Thanksgiving dinner in a camper. I mean, First of all, it's tight spaces. It's not. I mean, how do you fit a turkey inside of their oven? I mean, it's not a full size oven. Maybe it may, if they even have one, it's probably a microwave, right? Uh, that that seems like the strangest part. The thing we kind of glossed over before with you know the people with eight living in a camper van, the family of eight, is storage space is really tight. You can't keep stuff. You have to be good at that. Yeah, I've really. Yeah, you have- <laughs> so I mean, design fine. We have storage space. I mean, they were very crafty, mm-hmm. and, and what you know, I've got stuff. I've got storage space under the bed and uh, mm-hmm. uh, above the. I don't have a. I have a microwave, but I don't have a. Um, I don't have a stove or anything. You go in these huge RVs, though. Uh, some of these people in Pensacola, they you know, they have a, they have the abilities in their RVs to make a make a, a fairly nice dinner and stuff. I couldn't do that. I mean, I, all I have is a microwave, so I got a refrigerator. Yeah, so it's it's hard to cook in a little camper van. Without yeah, without question, especially at Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I want to quickly touch on before I forget. I love the the minor league. You got like a whole baseball theme kind of running through this book, and I love the the uh, the minor league stuff because when you're out here, I'm sure you know this, but you know I live in Los Angeles. If you go just a little bit east, there's three minor league teams within driving distance: the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, uh, the Inland Island Sixty Sixers. 66 and then the uh, Lake Lake Elsinore storm uh, all within yeah. all within driving distance. I, I collect passport stamps uh, and and all the ballparks and the minor league ballparks have them so I went on a tour to get them uh, it, they were out of season so I didn't get to see a game but it's cool I mean that's another thing that people love RVs for is you can go you know there's a lot of people who do that stadium tour right where you go from you know baseball stadium to baseball stadium during the season I mean that sounds like a lot of fun and in an, an RV seems like the perfect way to do that. Every year there's a story um, I've saved actually um, from my files um, about some minor leaguer, maybe up at AAA, who doesn't get a hotel room. He just lives in his camper van. Um, I see that story now annual. Back in the day, um, there was a relief pitcher uh, for the Cubs, and he played for the San Francisco Giants. He's since passed away. His name was Rod Beck. And he was on he had the Cub Center down to Iowa, back to Des Moines. And he was he got national press because he had his RV set up like right at the ballpark outside of the center field thing. So oh, wow. it's a big thing with baseball players as well. Um, but yeah, um, traveling and um, seeing minor league baseball is a big thing I've always done. So that I made that part of this book. Um, I don't even know remember how much you mentioned the Inland Empire. The one thing, little tips I learned. I went to see them. Uh, Inland Empire, and I think the game. You have to work with me on this story. The okay. game went into extra innings, okay. and I had I was standing up in a a state park, way up on a, a <laughs> from the Chicago area. So it's way way up on a mountain. It's in the book, but it was a, a state park, probably like Big Bear. Or but something, it was a I'm guessing. Long, 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 long drive up this mountain after the game, right. and the game goes into extra yeah. innings. I learned this really early in the book, and this band was still pretty new. So I, I leave the game about 10.30, and I stayed for the whole game. And uh, it starts raining, and I'm driving up this, like, two-lane thing all the way up. And, you know, you had to – thing you had to hear somebody honk their horn or flash their lights to know they were coming down the other way so they don't run into yep. you. It was really harrowing. Yeah. And the wipers are going back and forth. So I made it up to the top of the thing. 
made up to my campground. And it was here's where I, here's my big lesson. It was pitch dark. It was just pitch dark. And there was there, there were like old hippies. There was like that was really raw camping. Yeah. There were a lot of old hippies. So you had to smell your way around, basically, is how it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had and there was a I don't know, I don't know if it was an electric there had to be an electric outlet. Anyway, so you have to pull this you have to pull these camper vans in backwards. Oh, you know? God. And I, okay. When you're with somebody, I learned this when I, we did the R V trips too. A partner can come out and help you direct. Or if you're going to a campground, a neighbor can help you direct. Well, everybody was either too high at this place or, <laughs> right. or passed out or whatever. Yeah. And so I was by myself and I was trying to see in the dark. And it was the only time I ever I'm looking the only time I ever scraped the van was like the, the, the electric outlet was right next to a tree and the van like it didn't uh. dent it, but it scraped it. Anyway, so my lesson on that was to try to get to some of these campgrounds with these raw campgrounds when you're by yourself, get them, get to them in daylight. Don't, don't go in. The, I probably arrived at this place at midnight and it was really, really crazy. <laughs> and that's my minor, that's my minor league story. It was going to that minor league game that made me arrive at that campground. So <laughs> when well, it rained too, which is, I mean, that's rare enough. I mean, raining in, yeah, in LA. And I wasn't used to, that, that, that was maybe my seventh or eighth stop. I mean, that was on the very first leg. Mm-hmm. John, my photographer, he went with me. Actually, he went with me all the way to Sutton. It was about that time he had to go back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. He was in St. Louis and outside of St. Louis and Tulsa and stuff. Then he had to go home. So I was by myself for that leg of the trip. It was only my eighth or ninth stop. So the van was still new to me. And yeah, it was. I remember that part of the trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm surprised that you didn't hit up the other ones because the quakes and the storm are like right there. I mean, just yeah. given how much you like minor league baseball, it's all, you know, Cubs, Padres, Angels right yeah, there. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was a, and there was a time and like I said, it was a time and money thing since I was on my own dime. Um, we did go. John and I did go see a game in Tulsa, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, but um, yeah. It's. I know. Uh, again, I, I read this every year. Even minor league ball players into the whole, whole camping thing. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me. Well, what yeah. you know, I know one place that's completely into baseball, and that's Cooperstown, where you talk about in the book is a great place for camping. Uh, you know, there's. You said there's three state parks within a 25 mile radius. Obviously, you're right around from the you know the baseball hall of fame. Uh, this is kind of cool because there's a campground there that you stayed at. Uh, I'm missing the name here. Um, but they basically renovated a whole site and they turned it into a baseball camp for kids. I, and one of the guys who runs it, his dad was a clown. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. just wild stories. And you met a couple that was, you know, traveling around with the Grateful Dead at the time. I mean, this yeah, seems right. like a great yeah. story. This is a good one. I'm, I'm going through the book. I can't think of the name of it either. But, you know, the thing about Cooperstown, it's almost like the you can parallel it a little bit with the French Quarter in that mm-hmm. I've been to, I've been to uh, uh, Hall of Fame weekend there when I, not recently, but it's hotel rooms are really at a premium yeah. and they're really expensive, yeah. just like they can be in the French Quarter. So camping is a really, really good option, you know. And these guys at the place I visited, they actually have an old school bus. I don't know if it's still going, but they had this old school bus where they transport people. They were like maybe 10, I'm saying, I'm guessing, 10 to 12 miles outside of downtown, uh, uptown Cooperstown. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they transport people into Cooperstown and stuff. But it's it's a great option. Cooper, have you been to Cooperstown? I have not, no. But I have – connections there i'd love to go yeah it's great country it's a great drive it's very hilly very scenic it's mm-hmm. such a small little town it's a very very rockwellish town and stuff but um, <laughs> outside of it is there's just there's some great camping areas and it's just it's really beautiful and this place i stayed at I, i'm i'm well, we're not live, so I mean, uh, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me look it up. Well, you can look it up because I want to talk about it for a second because the campground is really cool for a lot of different reasons. Besides the fact that um, it housed a clown school, uh, there's a, a baseball camp with two fields that they created, and yeah. the entire place is made out of reused material. Uh, the fencing was from a renovation site. The scoreboard that they have they, uh, there was from the Doubleday Field that dates back to the 1920s. Uh, and that sign's held up by repurposed trolley tracks. I mean, it's just such a cool way to kind of it's also just innovative, right? I mean, you, you're and in you know, the recycling, it's environmental. I mean, you've got all this stuff that was going to be thrown in the trash that they're using, creating this field right outside Cooperstown. And this is one of those the stories that I like because it's you know, it talks about how you have. You know, people who are able to take these RV sites and kind of make them their own at a time where, you know, RVs, is it big business? I don't know. But some people are, they find their little, their little niche and they create an extraordinarily successful site that's, 
very unique. And that's what I love about it. I mean, th- this one and then, you know, the one, the Shady Dell one in Bisbee, Arizona that I gave a hard time to, it's still unique. I mean, it's still a, a very interesting journey uh, and, and an interesting stay. So, I mean, w- did this kind of draw you to this place? I mean, did, you know, the, with the baseball and everything, was that, you know, kind of why you liked it? It was uh, Beaver Valley Cabins and Campsites there you in Milford. Okay, there you go. Less than five miles from the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I, we mentioned KOAs. And, when, of course, when I set out to do this book, I really wanted to do independent places. Mm-hmm. I went mom and pops. You know, I didn't want to do chains. I think maybe there's one one KOA, which is hilarious, where I ran into the – it's in, <laughs> you got me thinking about this book. There are, you know, there are a lot of good stories. They had a, they had, I'm going to go off your subject. Fine. They had a little bluegrass band and a guy looked like David Letterman. I'm a huge David oh, Letterman right. fan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who and, not, and looks so, so much like it. He was on the show. I mean, he, he was on the show. Yeah. And I just, that's, that's the great, you know, and there is the great thing about travel. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I didn't expect any of that. And here's a guy, I'm a Letterman fan. He looks like Letterman. Turns out he was on the Letterman show. Anyway. But, you know, so I would, you know, most of the time I would just try to find these independent places. So here's people who wanted to do a second act in life and they like restore this whole old campground. And um, like you said, they, they, they reconfigured it and they, they were honest to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe they're from the Minnesota area. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was great. I'm looking here. You know what? I'm looking here. First time I looked at this, this is the very way I end this chapter and. Again, think about this is five or six years ago. Right. This is the way that this is what they told me five or six years ago. We started out with three rules. This is the wife talking. Be considerate, be careful, be happy. That's it. That's like more powerful now than it was five or six years ago. <laughs> it <really> is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's all these that's that's the creed these people live by. And um yeah. Yeah, they, they really put a lot of time and sweat and, like you said, he was a, from a clown family. So um, I'm sure they're still going. I don't know what to what extent. But That'd yeah, be awful if up. we found out that they had been <laughs> we've been talking about him as the successful. Yeah. <laughs> they actually didn't make yeah. it. Uh, I mean, it's but you also, you know, you met deadheads, which I've never met deadheads, but and they're kind of celebrities in and of themselves. You know, I mean, even the group that travels around the walking of the walking dead, <laughs> the, the grateful dead, uh, you know, they're almost as famous as the band themselves. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's such an interesting. And I've since taken this to um, Alpine Valley, um, which is uh, in East Troy, Wisconsin. This is this is after the book came out. But same thing with Buffett's crowds. Um, right. It's one of the biggest one of the biggest tailgate things in, in, in the whole Buffett itinerary is at Alpine Valley. Oh, wow. So I've taken them up to that and get there early and um, and people look at the birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As want to do. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. so the, another, you know, like here's a perfect examples. When you went to Nashville, you know, this is a great story because Nashville is, you know, outside of like Branson, I mean, Nashville's country music capital, right? I mean, this is, there's, so, you know, you talk about there's so many people trying to make it in, in country music. They're RVing around. There's so many talented people there. The Grand Ole Opry was just down the street. Uh, you know, you, you talked about a guy, you know, Ronnie Miley, who is a great story because he's considered, you know, at the time was considered one of the best steel drum guys in, in the world. A lot of people knew him. You know, unfortunately, he passed away in 2021. I was trying to find a little bit more about him. But, you know, he never quite made it as far as he's not a household name. But there he was and, you know, played in all kinds well, of bands, you know. Yeah, huh? yeah 2021. Was, yeah, he was living there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, you know, and he was living there, playing in bands every night, you know, part of this band, that band. I mean, he was always working, always involved. You know, it's kind of like the equivalent of like a working, you know, working actor, a guy who's in a couple commercials a year, you know, makes a great living. But, you know, you, you wouldn't you haven't you don't see him in a, in a movie. Right. You're not in, he's not in a Marvel movie or anything. But, you know, yeah, th- right. these are the kind of these are the great stories of people who are doing it. You just may never have heard of them. And Nashville is such a great place for that. Because I imagine you must have met a lot of people who were trying to make it in country music and who were extraordinarily talented and, you know, listening to jam sessions and all that. Yeah. And uh, there's another one I stay at. There is a KOA I stay at that's real close to the, um, the Grand Ole Opry. Um, my brother lives in Nashville. So, um I go down there, you know, a couple times a year, and sometimes I take the van and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, and again, it's another place. We talked about this, but it's another place that's getting harder and harder. Ex- hotel rooms and cost of living. Yep. Nashville's like New Austin, you know. I mean, the cost of living there is skyrocketing and stuff. So again, this is this is a viable option for for people, especially musicians who are mm-hmm. moving around. Yeah, it's like the place to be. And I love this little tidbit 
because the the place where you stay, the Grand Ole Opry campground, they gave you um, a, a one sheet about amp about power and amps that you said is the most valuable piece of information. And oh. I, I love that little nugget because it tells you so much you need to know about the RV culture, because you yeah. have to be careful about electricity so you don't burn the place down. You don't want to pull too many amps, you know, and, and end up <laughs> burning the campground down or burning yourself to pieces. You know, yeah, I'm not a real tech guy. And I, my photographer, John Saul, is more. And he was with me at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of uh, the first couple stops. There were a lot of kinks to work out in this. I mean, there were no like real trial runs. Right. We just took off. And I was always worried about um, you know, there's a there's a flicker switch. It's in the book. But like when you, you know, I, I was always worried about burning out the car, burning out the engine. You know, like, <laughs> right. um, yeah. You know, leaving something on when it wasn't supposed to be on and not being able to start the car and stuff. So. We had a couple of rough starts at the beginning of the trip and stuff, but once you get the hang of it, uh, something like this, it's a Ford Transit van. It's it was it was it was it's been pretty smooth, knock on wood. Yeah. Well, one of the things I thought was, you know, going back to that, one of the things I forgot to mention. So you talked about going to Elkhart. You had the you know you had the the um, van kind of customed in, in Elkhart. 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 Uh, I'm looking for El my notes here. Elkhart, Indiana. And this is great because it's got the Hall of Fame, the RV Hall of Fame, if you didn't know. Now you know. Uh, yeah, and a museum. I 50th anniversary this year, by the way. Uh, you know, it was kind of strange that you had this thing built and then you drove it out and then immediately had problems with it. It doesn't say much about the RV capital of the world. Was this <laughs> was this their workmanship? Was this bad luck? I mean, I don't know. You probably don't want to badmouth people, but I I'm thought it was odd. If they were, you know, if it's Ford problems or because they did mostly the interior, they really didn't do much of the mechanical stuff. Okay, fair enough. But there was stuff, I think there was stuff John and I just had to learn. Sure. I remember sure. calling them. Yeah. I remember our first, one of our first, we stopped at a museum. We stopped in Pontiac. There's a Route 66 character named, uh, who traveled around. I wrote about him for the Sometimes He Passed Away. And his name was Bob Waldmeyer. Mm -hmm. Michael Wallace would Bob Waldmeyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have his old VW van. It's in the Route 66 uh, Museum in Pontiac. And I knew Bob. I saw I went and saw Bob, like, gosh, two months before he died. He was dying in his van. Oh, wow. It was really weird. It was sad, but it was poignant. I mean, he really loved – he had a little um, outpost out in Arizona for a while. He was trying to do a little tourist attraction. Anyway, but he's from the, he was from central Illinois. He's from the family. Mm -hmm. They created the Cozy Dog, the Cozy Dog on uh, Route 66 in oh, Springfield, Illinois. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a it's Especially at the state fair, and they have their own. Anyway, um, they have his his uh, VW van at the Pontiac Hall of Fame. So we went there, and then I think our first stop was on Route 66, right outside of St. Louis. And I do remember we were having trouble, and we had to keep calling the people in Elkhart about maybe some of these switches and how to get things going again. Yeah, it was really um, baptism by fire. But <laughs> by the time we got to so by the time we got to Southern California and. John was gone, and you know, I was I was pretty much on my way then. Then the last the last big stressful thing I had was like running into that tree in that state park I told you about right. in the middle of the night, right up here yeah. in California. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's yeah. So we won't soil the good name of Elkhart. It sounds like it wasn't them. It was more of a learning curve thing. Uh, I just thought it was a, it was a great way to start. Um, and the other story I wanted to get this early on, but you know this. Your first, you wanted an orange Volkswagen Bug when you were much younger, uh, when you were first starting out, I think, because you uh, were the scuba diving trip to the Florida Keys. I went to the oh, Florida boy, that's Keys. A long time. That's, that's a while ago. I went to the Florida Keys when I was in high school. You're very well researched. Uh, that's very good stuff. That's what I do. It's what I do, Dave. Yeah. That's that's my that's that's my that's the you know the defining characteristic of the show. Uh, but I love yeah. that because a I went to I studied marine biology uh, in high school and went down to the Florida Keys. Probably took the same trip. I love Volkswagens, uh, but I'm curious. Tell me about this. I mean, how did this must have been like the inciting incident that we forgot to cover? Boy, you know, I mean, that was probably my very first. Um, I came from a family where we didn't do a lot of outdoor stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, we was just suburban Chicago, you know, camping. I remember one time my, my father, we camped out in my backyard. That was, the extent, <laughs> that was the extent of our camping experience. It's something. So I'd say that Key West trip, I went with a friend from the um, aquarium here in Chicago. And, and that was probably the first camping experience I had. It was definitely the first time I went to the Keys. And that was right out of high school. So I'm, I'm going to tell you how old I am. That was like 74, 75. Years ago? In Key West. 
1974. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, Key West was not developed at all. It yeah. was great to, you know, still like a hippie outpost. Definitely. But um, Buffett hadn't even been there yet. Maybe Jerry Jeff Walker had been there. You went but, to a um, pre-Buffett Florida Keys? I mean, that's a moment in yeah, history. Right. Yeah, it was. It really was. They were like, yeah, it, was, it really was. It's a great memory. Yeah. But again, I mean, I looked when I decided to do this, I looked at what I could accomplish, um, what was cost effective. I knew VW, VW vans are really cute and they're really fun, but I couldn't, I don't think I could afford one and I don't think I could afford the uh, mechanical stuff. This Ford thing has been pretty, as long as I take it in, I faithfully get it, take it into the, um, for oil changes and tune-ups and stuff. And I'm not, you know what? I did the book, what, five or six years ago. I was just in it the other day. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about taking it to Tulsa, but with gas, gas mileage, I don't know um, if I will, but it's got 68,000 miles on it. That's not bad for five years. Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, some of these, some of these, you know, some of these can go up to 300, 400,000 miles. So, um, Mm -hmm. It's been dependable, and that's what I uh, that's what I was looking for because uh, I'm not the type of person who should be stranded on the road alone. You, know? <laughs> you got that Bowie knife. What are you talking about? You're you're fine. <laughs> I, was a little, a little, I was a little scared about the VW van for that. Sure. I, don't, I don't know how the mechanics of that. Well, I mean, I will tell you, you know, one thing that the that the, <laughs> that the uh, World War II Germans got right was the Volkswagen. I mean, it is the yes. the, the car of the people. I mean, it it was the Volkswagen Bug was designed for the everyday person to, to work on it. So, um, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I don't want you to call into question your life decisions, but I am saying Volkswagens were, uh, you know, at that time were, were extraordinarily easy to work on. Uh, one thing we got to touch on here, you, you, you touched on it briefly and I wanted to save it for a little bit, but the, the Des Moines, Iowa, the state fair there, um, I want to talk about this because this is a very unique point of RV culture because this is as close to, um, you know, kind of a tradition that a lot of people have because you can be on a waiting list for an RV spot at this place for 10 years. Most people have had their spot for decades. I think you talked to a couple who may have had it since the 60s, like since Lyndon Johnson was in office. I mean, you know, it's 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 like it's almost like having season tickets to a sporting, you know, to a sports club or something like that. I mean, and in some ways that group, the RV group is a fair within a fair because everyone hangs out there. But not so many. Not everyone goes down to the to the actual fair all the time. A lot of people just hang out there, bring their own food. Um, I mean, this is it's it's such a unique experience, and you were right there in the middle of it. Yeah, and they um, we did meet people there, and um, I remember we got uh, <laughs> John John, my photographer. We would make jokes about this. John saw. He's a little more outgoing than I am. I think he's a little more personable. Mm-hmm. So I think when I was with him, maybe we'd meet we. <laughs> We meet more people. I remember there we did get invited to a couple like little barbecues. But, you know, people build their whole, you know, they build their whole year around this event. Right. And it's it's like the thing, you know, it's like maybe it's the like equivalent of opening day for baseball season in Chicago. I mean, they, they all point to this and people stay there for the whole. Again, we were in and out. We were there maybe three days, mm-hmm. two or three days. Yeah. But they stay there for the whole duration of the fair. You're right. I mean, you can walk right to the fairgrounds. Some do, some don't. Uh, decorations, I mean, a really big thing. I mean, people decorate their their RVs and campgrounds. They put the lights outside, mm-hmm. yep. and it's 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 a big deal. The, one of the big memories that I have of it is really, really, really compact. It's like it's like it's like Manhattan, the Manhattan, <laughs> <laughs> Manhattan I mean, of the Midwest, baby. Yeah, right <laughs> you're all right up next to each other. Yeah. There's no green space. It's. I remember we were trying uh, the the people. Uh, I think some people. I think they. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think because we didn't have a we didn't apply for anything ten years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So I think they worked. It was almost like a Chicago thing where they paid somebody off so we could get a little space by their camper. <laughs> is that <laughs> so a I Chicago that. thing? That, I guess that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, I think it was an under the under the table thing. And so I remember driving in there and we had to get through and we just had to squeeze my camper van in the next to where they were because we, you know, we really hadn't signed up. And um, so it's 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 extreme, but it's one of my big takeaways of the book. I'll, if it wasn't so harrowing, I'd go back. It's not that far a drive, but just to get in there and try to get a space and stuff, I don't know if I'd go back, but I really would like to do it again. I really would. And I like state fairs. Mm-hmm. You know, I could take it. I've obviously, I haven't done it yet, but the Minnesota State Fair is supposed to be a crazy scene. I'd like to take the camper van up there. Yeah. Illinois State Fair, not so much. But, uh, you know, so it, it's, again, there's probably a whole subculture of people who just travel around to that. You know, I'm You're a big right. Bob Dylan fan. Mm-hmm. 
And not only did Bob Dylan do a um, tour of minor league ballparks. Oh, wow. But one year he did do a whole tour, of, uh, at least in the Midwest, of, of state fairs. Really? You know, he did, yeah, he did the Illinois State Fair. I mean, because state fairs are a, a staple for country artists. You know, Willie Nelson plays all kinds of state fairs. But one time Dylan did a whole bunch of state fairs. So, yeah, there's all culture. There. Wow. I assume you mean to perform, not just to hang out and get deep fried yeah, ice right. cream bars, which yeah. is also great. No, I saw, yeah. I saw him throwing, he was throwing stuff out of those little cute Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's amazing. And I think that, you know, it, it kind of sums it up is that there, there's something for everyone in the RV culture, whether you want to do it temporarily or whether you want to make it, you know, your, your permanent residence on the road, there's kind of something for everyone. And it seems well, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. You know, you walk right into that. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, that's kind of what happened to me is because of my newspaper work, I was able to, tr- to sample it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was able to try it out. I was able to see our, a big RV is not for me. You right. Know? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I remember, like you said, I remembered Key West and I like something smaller. So I, anybody wanted to do this, I would really recommend maybe renting first. Sure. And see what, your, see what your comfort zone is. <laughs> right. and then Just don't go out and buy a big honking RV. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got that kind of disposable cash, I'm impressed. I think John, John, my dear friend, John, John Prine, he was so great. He's in the book just to do me a favor, you know, but that's his story. You know, they went out and bought this RV and then they didn't really drive it around. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It was so funny. They, you know, they would get, and you know, I, that should be pointed out too. We, I don't want to forget this. You know, he'd talk about, they'd get a hotel room every night and I did do that. Um, you gotta, I did not, it was not raw. I'd say I was in the camper, um, maybe 65, 70% of the time. And then I would get a hotel room to get my bearings again, you know, and, and watch TV a little. I have a TV by they ever watch it in the camper van. They said even um, even in Travels with Charlie, uh, this this came out after Steinbeck wrote the book, but that his wife would meet him on the road and they'd get a hotel room. But I know. it was okay. I mean, I, I got a hotel room a couple times just to just to get my normal thing back together. <laughs> I wasn't that right. But yeah, Brian was so funny, and I guess it just stayed. They had they had a place, uh, a second home in Florida, and they just parked this big RV in, in their in their driveway. That's amazing. <laughs> for the rest, yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah. There's something for everyone. You know, I, I did a you know bef- as a primer for this, I did take a look at what it you know renting an RV, what it looks like. Uh, they have an over you know like an overview of what's in the camper. Uh, it's tight livings. I mean, and the bigger you get, the harder the device, the, the transveyance is to drive, right? I mean, like the bigger the camper, the harder it is to move around. You know, I don't want to be smashing into trees. And, and Oh, you got the, you know, I mean, you see the people with the pickup trucks hauling the van, you know, I mean, hauling the RV on the back. I could never do that. I'd be the guy who would, who would take off in the pickup truck and leave the van and leave the RV behind. Right, yeah. <laughs> I had to sleep in the bed. Yeah. Or not, or not be able to hook the thing up right and stuff, you know. So I did what was simple for me and easy for me to navigate. Yeah, so. no, that's that's right. You did it right. It, is, it has it has been um, a solitary life, you know. I mean, I've, I've done my trips by myself. I don't have kids. I don't have a family. So it's it's good for someone who's who, who's alone, you know. Yeah. This probably wouldn't be, I keep looking out, but probably wouldn't be so good if you had a couple kids and <laughs> a little, little Ford Transit camper van. But it, it's, it's worked out for me very well. It was you know, I should say it was great during the pandemic uh, when everybody was freaking out. I would. I would take it just like the Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> All the minor league baseball teams were shut down, but they were playing college ball. And I'd find a campground in Fond du Lac. I'd find a supper club. Uh, and and so it really was a good mental health thing for me to have during the, the pandemic to be able to get out of the Chicago area. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I imagine it could also have the opposite effect where it can, you know, kind of accentuate the loneliness as you're on the road by yourself and eating by yourself and sleeping. So, I mean, it could have the opposite effect for mental health. Uh, so the, but I'm like that in my house. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, sure. to, you know, be careful, I guess. Uh, but, you know, this yeah. is this is a great book. And I'm curious, you know, where can people find you? Where can people find the book? Um, I'm sure you got a website, you're writing, everything. Where, where, where can we find it? Um, the book is published by Chicago Review Press. Um, it's called the camper book, a celebration of a movable, a movable American dream. And, uh, I do have a website. It's Dave Hoekstra, H O E K S T R A dot com. What about social media? Do anything like that? Oh yes. Um, a little bit. Uh, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter, not much on Twitter, but I'm, I'm there. And there is a camper book, uh, website. Uh, I haven't been on it, but that's where the uh, 
there's a few stories. There's a few outtakes on that. Pike just camperbook.com, but that's where the story of the uh, of the guy who restored um, Steinbeck's van. And I tell you, some every every month I get like four or five comments on that story. That that story must resonated with the whole Steinbeck crowd because people are really interested in this guy. He passed away a couple of years ago. I, I did I did know he died, but he was just so proud. That we took the time out to talk to him about restoring Steinbeck's van. It's a piece of American history. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so you can find that, you know, find all that stuff in the book. And if you want to find our show, we are on Twitter at Fascinating Noun, on Facebook at Fascinating Nouns. And obviously, if you're not watching the video version of this, you can find it on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. Uh, well, this has been just a fantastic story, Dave. I'm, thank you so much for sharing it. And we're going to talk, uh, we're going to have a little bonus episode you can find in the podcast feed about your time with the five. I'm excited about that. Um, but I, okay, can, I ask you a question? Can, can I ask you a question? Sure. Now, um, if you, you did such a great job with research and reading the book, is there anything about this that made you want to go out and try try this, like get a, a camper van or RV? Or is there something that scared you off on it? Uh, no, I don't think I could handle the Bowie knife. I couldn't. I, I couldn't be that close to a man if I'm gonna gut him. I'd have to. I gotta go the gun route. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna get gonna get dark, uh, I gotta gotta do that despite the current political climate. Maybe just the idea of me, of me brandishing a Bowie knife. Which <laughs> I want to see that image. No, I mean it's a little. It's an unfair question because I like RVs and I've wanted to do it anyway. And so um, yeah. this made me just you know doing this show. I like talking to interesting people, obviously, and I think that this your book made that part of it much more appealing to me. And I think that there's an, there's an, another element that makes me want to check this out. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for sure. So, uh, I'm, I, hopefully I, hopefully I'll do that soon. You know I mean? I like to, I also do national park tours and this is the best way to do that. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So I definitely do. Um, but until I do, maybe we'll meet up on the road. Um, but until then I want to thank you so much for being on the show today, Dave. Well, thank you for taking your time and uh, asking so many good questions. Oh, thank you. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glenn Co. production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. And I'm guessing after listening to this, you never want to miss another episode. You're going to want to subscribe. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. and We even have links right there on our show website, which is fascinatingnouns.com. You can find all the links right there. And let's say you don't have a favorite podcasting platform. That's no problem. You can listen to every episode right there on the website, which is once again, fascinatingnouns.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to learn more about the episodes that you're listening to, find out about upcoming episodes, and to just keep in touch with the community. It's right there on the website. And speaking of community, there's no better way to stay in touch than on social media. And you can find links to our show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages right there on the front page of fascinatingnouns.com. And speaking of YouTube, there's a video version of this episode there right now, uh, as well as other past episodes and all future episodes. It's going to be right there, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. It's a great way to see all the guests and, uh, you know, check it out live and in person. Feel like you're there in studio. Great way to do it, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And finally, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com and check out all of my projects and see what's going on. Once again, thank you for listening. End of transmission.